Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, the summer of negativity continues as we dissect the worst matches in three companies' respective histories. And he's back, folks, Mr. Negativity himself, Brian Malonis, but he is not coming alone. Helping us review this wrestling refuse is our buddies Joe Murata and Michael Quinn from our vantage point, the retro wrestling... Uh, Brian? What, Michael, what? Uh, yeah, I can't do this. <sighs> uh, you three can handle this, right? What? Just pretend I was never here. Just move on with me like I never existed. Uh, good luck. And, uh, tell George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 119. My name is the Kingpin Brian Malonis, and usually, it's usually Mike Crockett doing this opening spiel, but... I guess it's my turn, and I can tell you that I'm certainly not in a, on an extended hiatus from the ring because I am a pro wrestling television superstar for Ring of Honor. That's right. I am the main event. I am the man on this podcast. It's about time Mike Crockett gets out of my way. If you want to, you can also call me Mr. Inside Edition. Joining me this week, though, is not one but two guest hosts. When I'm out, Mike Crockett scrapes the bottom of the barrel. He goes out and gets a couple of ham and eggers like Brian Fury and Mike Mills. But when he's out, I find two guys who are elite. I'm not talking about those guys. Not those guys from Ring of Honor that are elite. I'm talking about Joe Morata and Michael Quinn from our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. Guys, what's going on? What's going on? We'll pay you later for that introduction, Brian. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Hey, and you're welcome for letting you hang out with a bona fide pro wrestling television superstar. Oh, hell yeah. We do definitely love hanging out with Ring of Honor's own Mr. Inside Edition. The Wine City Whaler. The Wine City Whaler himself. <laughs> I did enjoy in the in uh, your guys' Facebook group, somebody who's actually at, was it the Virginia show? Posted like a, like a live picture, you know, like a real-time picture <laughs> of, uh, of me in action. Yes, I know. I saw that. I think that was Jake Georgeson. I can't remember, though. <laughs> that was that was great. I got a kick out of that because I was just scrolling through my timeline. I think I think within moments of getting back in my match, I just was kind of on my phone and cooling <laughs> down, having a, maybe having a cold adult beverage with the Beer City Bruiser, and <laughs> I saw real time pictures. So that's always that's always pretty cool. Brian, I was trying to get that uh, fan to yell "Wine City Whaler" yeah. in the middle. I'm one day it's going to happen. That fan's going to chant. <laughs> <laughs> now that I would imagine, Brian, that cold adult beverage was a wine cooler, wasn't it? <laughs> Those documents are sealed. <laughs> I'm sure you guys are aware here that we're kind of in the summer of negativity, as as we're calling it. Yes, and it's kind of been like a happy accident here. So somebody gave us the idea of like the worst ideas we've ever heard, and Brian Fury did that, and Mills did the worst gimmicks of the 80s, and I gotta tell you, this has been an episode I've been wanting to do, and really it's just specifically for one of these three matches, but Michael forced me to do a couple of other matches. <laughs> that damn Crockett! <laughs> Yeah, well, so sorry, fellas, but we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it, I think. Well, fun is, you know, fun's a relative term, I guess. 
Yeah, who's relative? <laughs> Someone's <laughs> uncle. <laughs> yes. So uh, here's one thing I got to throw out there, though. I got I got to talk about Ring of Honor, guys. I, I feel like I'm a big part of the show, <laughs> if, if for no other reason than I'm I'm probably the biggest guy in the history of the company. So hell yeah, I got that going for me. But uh, I I got to ask you guys: Are you going to go to Ring of Honor? You're in the New York City area. Are you going to go to Ring of Honor and the G1 Supercard at, at MSG in April? If nothing else, Quinn will. I might. I might. Uh, I have uh, parental responsibilities that I might have to tend to. I'm not sure. But I think Quinn is gearing up to go. I am definitely gearing up to go. And I will be uh, gearing up to convince Joe to go <laughs> until these tickets go on sale. When do these tickets go on sale anyway? Uh, August, I heard? Yeah, so there's a, like a pre-sale, I want to say, on August 1st. I just retweeted out today. Uh, and then August 8th, I, I believe the general public go on sale. So I think a great move by them, too, getting the tickets on sale as quickly as possible. That's a big building to fill. But it's the perfect venue to try to do it. And it's New York City. It's WrestleMania weekend. If they're ever going to fill a 15,000-seat arena, that's, that's probably going to be the time to do it. Well, you'll certainly help fill it, Brian, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, was that a fat joke? What? <laughs> I would never. Yeah, I know. You, you've done it. You've, and, and we got off to a rocky start where I, I, didn't, I listened to a couple of episodes. I was like, fuck these guys. <laughs> like, all they do is make fun of fat guys. And, and then you both told me how you both love fat guys and we use that word, fat guys, <laughs> that term. They're the best. They are. Fat guys are the best. <laughs> So what's the perspective main event here? Because I think it will sell out if uh, Brian Malonis takes on Kenny Omega, oh, you yeah. know, eight-star match, guaranteed. Definitely. Well, it'd be, it'd be nine if it was in the Tokyo Dome, right? <laughs> oh, right. An additional star for Tokyo Dome, but Madison Square Garden, I'm going to minus a star from that nine. <laughs> eight stars, six ounces. Hey, you know, you know you're fi- and, I, and I unfortunately wasn't on the card, but your guy's favorite podcast host, Conrad Thompson, was, uh, mm. was in attendance for Ring of Honor in Nashville. Was he? Did he have two seats? <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! My goodness. Well, Conrad doesn't like us. He called in that time and yeah. got really mad Gave at us. Gave us a very hard time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. But what I'm going to do right now is chat you guys up about a couple of plugs. I got to get in. Well, one of them, Crockett probably doesn't care about one of them. And that's BrianMalonis.com, where you can pick up a nice, uh, a nice, yeah, a nice Kingpin t shirt, a Curtain Jerker t shirt. Have you guys seen the new Mega Malonis t shirt? I haven't. I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it on your podcast. Well, go to BrianMalonis.com right now. You guys both have connected devices in front of you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then while you're at it, stop by the WPAN.com for all things WPAN. Oh, and, and Jesus, if I don't put this if I don't talk about the Facebook group, you realize he's going to listen to this. Mike Crockett is going to listen to this episode probably multiple times mm-hmm. and probably take copious notes on, <laughs> on where I screwed up and where I went wrong. But he won't be able to yell at me for missing putting over podcast, Facebook group, putting that over, telling you to go join that Facebook group. It's a fun group. Once in a while, I'll chime in, uh, usually if somebody tags me in something. <laughs> It, it is a great group, actually, I want to say. I'm on it as well, and it really is a, a useful resource for wrestling podcasters and fans of wrestling podcasts. One of the admins right here speaking. Yeah, I am an admin, actually. That's right. Oh, you are an admin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I, I had no idea. He didn't make me an admin, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> we just figured you were. 
it's because he knows how busy I actually am. See, Crockett pretends to be pretended to be busy for like you know however long we've been doing this podcast. But now that he has a little one, and and, and Joe, you can attest to this. Michael's yep. going to understand or start to understand what actually being busy and time constraints and inconveniences and all these things look like. You know, you're right. There's going to be no time for him to just sit in his car and make videos that only I watch <laughs> and not watch wrestling and not yeah, and not watch wrestling. I'll have plenty of time to not watch wrestling. <laughs> That's probably why he couldn't make this episode because he actually would have had to watch wrestling for this so (laughs) (laughs) all right so we'll, we'll get into it we'll get into what we're here for and i figured you know crockett's gone i need somebody these are these matches all fall in the scope of retro wrestling i would say mm-hmm. and i figure what two better guys to talk about uh my favorite retro wrestling podcast uh oh, I, I, why thank you i have the ovt you know you do awesome i do that's I, very good I, th- I think it was a three or four xl i don't remember quite what size they ordered <laughs> awesome one, <laughs> one of those two but uh <laughs> so i so the way i i kind of think about wrestling there's there's kind of two kinds of bad there are just matches that are like maybe it's not even necessarily bad wrestlers but maybe it's just like boring or structured poorly or a bad pace or or a bad story or whatever you guys know what i mean right oh yeah and that's not what we're going for today with these matches (laughs) (laughs) we are going for like the second type of bad wrestling which i gotta tell you guys is a guilty pleasure for me I, i don't know how you guys feel about it but for me i love it well, it, it depends on my mood. It depends on who's in it. It depends on who's announcing. There's a lot of different factors that would uh, contribute to my enjoyment or lack thereof of a bad match. I would say it depends on how long it is. That too, matters how too. How long yeah. you got to sit through it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing worse than like a half an hour bad match. That's the worst. Yeah. Ooh. Right. But if it's a five minute one and it's tolerable and comically bad. Yeah. I can deal. You know, you, sometimes you have matches like these, and then other times you have Razor Ramon versus Bret Hart from Rumble 93. Quinn, not the time <laughs> or the place. <Okay. laughs> so, yeah. So, one of these, uh, my apologies in advance, and the one I'm really in love with <laughs> was the longer, <laughs> the longer of the matches, but there was just so much goodness packed into it. But we won't start there. We'll start with the one, actually, of the three, more people are probably going to be familiar with. And the one is probably... The least egregious of the three, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. This was tolerable because it was short, and at least there was wrestlers in it. <laughs> there was people that existed in wrestling. Let's yeah. put it that way. Not the best people. No. But they, well, you know, one, one of them's them, pretty good. One of them is a Hall of Famer, I think. Yeah. And two Hall of Fame announcers. <laughs> yeah, wow. well, yeah. <laughs> I might be right there with you guys. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so this is, this match is going to pit Jackie Gaeta and Chris Nowinski versus Trish Stratus and Bradshaw. It's from the July 8th, 2002 episode of Monday Night Raw. And I will say, Chris, Chris Nowinski, uh, great wrestler. I loved him. It's, it really sucks what happened to him, uh, kind of go off on a sidebar. And me and Crockett actually, unfortunately, got to see the kind of him trying to come back and not able to come back. And, but he turned his, his story into a really positive one with the things he's doing but i think he would have been a guy who did great things in pro wrestling not so much this match but it's not his fault no (laughs) no it isn't definitely so one thing that stuck out to me and i don't know how and i think i know how you guys feel about it but we'll make you elaborate it here how poorly does the jerry lawler horny teenage boy routine like age (laughs) it ages just about as well as the uh (laughs) the people that he takes (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to call this the puppies era. It like, is. Th- we're, we're like deep into the puppies era. Here. We really are. It's and, sad. 
Yeah, and it starts with like it's just all over the place with King and his. Oh stu- look, Jr. Look at the magazine. Yeah, and Trish in the most like early two thousands <laughs> yeah. picture of her possible. And Jr. like, oh my god, look at that pootie tang or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Easy yeah, pootie tang. Say that. <laughs> Easy pootie tang. The most dated line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that. Like, not, maybe not no two, but in like ninety nine, I actually found this shtick funny. But you're right. I mean, it does not age well. <laughs> I do. I do want to ask you guys how uh, how roll tide is Trish Stratus uh, <laughs> in 2002. This era of Trish is interesting because she's still like in the shiny pants and the hat era, yeah, cowboy edition, which is before she became a serious wrestler. You know, like oh four ish, I guess it long, was the long 03. coat time period. The long coat, the like stretchy tank top, and the yeah. shiny pants. She looked pretty bad, like just as bad as Jackie Gato almost. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the one thing I will say about this one and the next one, more so than the third match, is that uh, one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest problems with this match is there's two people involved in the match and who really got the lion's share of the match, who ha- should have absolutely no business being on live television for the biggest wrestling company in the world, wrestling a pro wrestling match. Uh, Agreed. It, you're, you're setting these people up for failure. Like I, I don't quite remember the time frame either of them came in, but th- but they both have to be under a couple years, and I don't think they're... I mean, for the for the schedules that these performers keep, probably even more so in that era, there's no time for them to be actually doing training and focusing on, you know, honing the craft of professional wrestling. It's really learning on the job. And the proof is in the pudding here. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I would say that three of these four people were green as yeah, grass, no, and the fourth was the biggest dick to like <laughs> new people possible. So it was like a well, recipe for disaster. This side of Bob Holly, maybe. But I mean, Nowinski looked good. But yeah, to go along with what you were saying, Brian, about Jackie Gata and Trish, we also want to remember that this is not really during an era yet where women's wrestling was thought of as anything more than a piss break. It, it took years to break that stigma yeah. with the very rare exception here and there. So it's not like the crowd was going to give a shit, but the <laughs> they did because it was so bad, I guess. <laughs> they definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they jumped on it right from the uh, right from the get-go so the the couple spots that really stick out and the first one i have absolute like I, I have been professional wrestling for going on 17 years i have been a pro wrestling fan my entire like conscious life like as far as i back i can remember i've always loved professional wrestling I could not tell you for the life of me when Trish Stratus ran to the ropes, <laughs> grabbed the top rope with both of her hands, kicked her feet back. And this is not like in the turnbuckle. This is like middle of the rope. Yep. Do you, I mean, you got you guys like me, longtime pro wrestling fans have seen, you know, an infinite amount of matches. What was she doing? The only thing I can think of is that she was going for some type of rope-assisted flying head scissors that well, no, actually, Jackie Gata didn't know what to do about. I thought she was trying to do, like, a, a spring off the second rope, like, elbow kind of thing. And, <laughs> she but, like, I think what happened is Gata didn't sell it or Trish tripped or won it or maybe both. Yeah. Like, because Gata wasn't selling anything the whole match anyway. She sold so. some good forearm shots, and other than that, she looked lost, yeah. Yeah. It's reminded me of like at that wrestling school. If you put two people who have you know no business being in the ring together, like maybe they're three or four weeks in class and said, "Hey, have a match." Except for this is on live national TV. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, and and I guess I guess I can't truly speak for this era. I didn't start. I think the first time I actually went to like did extra work for WWE was like two thousand. Might have been the end of two thousand three, but even at that point, matches were pretty heavily scripted, especially for TV. Um, so uh, somebody, especially with these green people, probably put this thing together 
like step by step. So this is this wasn't like they went out there and called it and went into business for themselves. I don't think at least. So like a Dean Malenko or somebody was like <laughs> helping. Right, right. Yeah, yeah like Arn Anderson or like, yeah. Tony Gurria or somebody of, you know. <laughs> oh god, no. No, no Gurria. <laughs> maybe Rene Goulet. <laughs> yeah, maybe Goulet. <laughs> yeah. Stupid hair. Yeah. But yeah, so some somebody put this together and for some reason like the the worst idea of all. So you got Bradshaw and you got Nowinski who are both capable performers and you take them out of the equation and say, "Hey girls who don't really know how to wrestle, go ahead finish this match." Yeah, that was a recipe for disaster. Whoever put this together didn't read the instructions because that was not <laughs> the way to do this. They didn't have the the men really playing off the women, so to speak. They could have had a much more interesting mixed tag and have the men carry it. Yeah, and you know, on top of it, I feel like a lot of the participants here, none of them are really over yet. They haven't hit their stride because you have yeah. like the worst iteration of Bradshaw possible. Hardcore champion. Hardcore like hardcore hick but like not like the million dollar man yet no but and no ron simmons yeah but still has the music yeah it's it's annoying it's a whole mess yeah so nobody like as soon as they see the combination they're like i don't want to watch this <laughs> so then as soon as they mess up one thing they're just booing everything and, and nowinski's gimmick like look he is he he did look really good in the ring overall but like nowinski's gimmick it's terrible. is a harvard grant like didn't they learn anything from dean douglas <laughs> Who wants I can't to believe- see us? hey this guy's really smart you I, better boo him i can't believe they announced him as harvard graduate that's like, his no, gimmick. It, that's so stupid. Yes. What is that's not even that's not a profession. <laughs> just something he did once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm right there. I'm right there uh with you guys. And this era Nowinski too, like later on Chris became a nicer guy, but this like when I first met Chris Nowinski, he was kind of a he was kind of a prick. I don't know that that the uh <laughs> that the character he was portraying was all that different than than real Chris, Chris Nowinski. Huh. Now what we're building up to, we're building up to this finish spot here, which is I don't know. It's got to be up there for for WWF worst botch finishes of all time. Do you want Joe or Quinn? Do you want do you want to take the lead on uh, walking us through this? We talking about this awkward ass corner bulldog spot. That's exactly <laughs> Trish very poorly <laughs> goes to the top rope after Jackie very poorly sells a mm-hmm. kick. I believe it is, and Trish leaps off the top rope with. What I guess in theory, like yeah. in, in an abstract Picasso version, should be a bulldog. Right. But it's more like a fox terrier because it's so small and minor that it doesn't even, it's like not even a headlock. It's almost like a forearm, <laughs> which Jackie sells like a forearm, except she falls backwards. So I, I can't blame Jackie for thinking it was something other than a bulldog because it didn't look like one. I got a two-word description for it. Go ahead. Shit dog. (laughs) And that's all I have to say about that finish. Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty accurate, and uh, I think Jr. kind of captured the essence of uh, of the match because I believe he uttered something along the lines of "Thank God that's over," <laughs> and mercifully, it's over. Well, the, the King and Jr. had an exchange where they said, "I've seen better cat fights, Jr." And then Jr. was like, "That match had a little bowling shoe tendency," like, and then it just like ended, like it cut to like Benoit <laughs> when the announcers are openly shitting on the match yeah. you know you're in some deep <laughs> shit so we're off to a uh, bit of an auspicious start here I, I, 
amazingly, we get worse. It, it, it gets worse here. Where, now, were you guys... Uh, I have never really watched TNA or Impact or whatever they've called it at different times. I've never watched it religiously. That's because you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a hater of it either. I've just never watched it religiously. Um, ever. <laughs> like So most of this stuff... If I were to watch that era any any tna it would like be an, it would be fresh product for me it'd be all brand new yeah i was never the b- biggest tna fan a quinn watched more than i did yeah i mean i watched the era when like styles joe and like christopher daniels were their top stars right by 2009 i think this when this whenever this took place yeah. i was i was long gone because while well, you were booking it right i was booking <laughs> yeah but the show the show had went way off the rails by this point. Yes. By, by the time like Booker T was there and stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was complete garbage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, we're talking about here. Well, the, the the match is Charmel, obviously the wife of Booker T, former former Nitro Girl, uh, right? Am I getting that correctly? Right, uh, former Nitro Girl Paisley, yes, thank Queen and Queen. She was also a Queen eventually. So then she's taking on. I had no freaking idea who this this woman was. Like I, I had to, I had to do a little research. So we're talking about Jenna Moraska. So I, I did a I did a little digging here. So we got one non wrestler taking on. Uh, you know when I first saw the name because Crockett's the one that suggested this match. Oh come on! <laughs> I said. Is this some sort of like, is this some sort of, because TNA has used, has given underutilized or, or lesser known talent opportunities before. So that's kind of what I was thinking at first. And then what prompted me to start looking stuff up was the commentary of the match. So <laughs> I went to Wikipedia, which is the, the greatest source on earth for all truthful information. Yep. Always right. <laughs> and she is described as an actress, a former swimsuit model. And an American reality TV contestant who was the million-dollar grand prize winner of Survivor the Amazon in 2003. Who cares? Wonderful. <laughs> Great so, credentials here. I was like, okay, what is she? What is she starred in? What is, what is she? What has she done? So, you, are you ready for this list of like of, of TV and well, it's really just TV credits. <laughs> one of them, not even one of them's. So the first one they credit was is an off-Broadway play called Pieces in 2004. Wonder how far mm-hmm. off Broadway that was. <laughs> it's in Newark. Very far. Not even Newark, like Poughkeepsie. So so far off Broadway, it might have been a low rent porno film for all we know. Yeah, may, may have been. Uh, she have was been. a contestant on Fear Factor in two thousand five. That's great. This one really, I thought I was like, wow, this this really solidifies her celebrity. She was on the premiere episode of Celebrity Paranormal Project in two thousand six. You guys remember Celebrity Paranormal Project, don't you? Favorite show, have them all. It was the biggest hit. <laughs> <laughs> they brought her back to the Amazing Race. Oh, excuse me, on the, excuse me. She was on Survivor. She's. They brought her on the Amazing Race in 2011. Ugh. Food Network's Dinner Impossible in 2011. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. There's nothing else. She has never done a role other than the play where she played a role. She's never played a fictitious character. <laughs> How is she an actress? That's a great question, actually. <laughs> She has this booming celebrity, this booming TV and film career that peaked in 2003. Oh, did I mention this is 2009? Mm. <laughs> so I'll give you guys one guess. Who's the booker in TNA at this point? <laughs> well, that would be one Vincent Russo. Yeah, my favorite. Because <laughs> he's me. Yeah. According to our fans. Yeah, why did you book this shit, Quinn? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Just wanted to give a chance to a young girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're putting over the entire. You know, what really drove it home for me? So the entire match here in this, they are putting over that like she she's rich and she spent the the money to have. She has awesome Kong in her corner. We should mention Jenna Maraska does, and they're putting over like how rich she is. And I'm thinking like, wow, what the hell? Like, so I looked her up and she's a freaking nobody. <laughs> like she yeah. won. Uh, she won a, a TV show. Six years before this. <laughs> One a TV show. That should tell you something. Why did she need to hire Awesome Kong? Like, to, she, do, to, to do that, first of all. Second of all, like, wouldn't the company, like, pay to have her trained so that it wouldn't look bad? Oh, wait, it's TNA. <laughs> so she is, like, some sort of, like, uh, member of the main event mafia. And again, I don't, I'm not familiar with this. I, I know who the main event mafia is. It was. Scott Steiner and Booker T and it was like Sting and stuff. Kevin Nash. Yeah. yeah, it was basically the Millionaires Club version two in TNA because <laughs> that was successful. But I don't. I knew about this, but I do not remember Jenna Maraska, whatever her name is. Doesn't even matter what ever, her name is. Whatever being in this. In all seriousness, like she is an absolute nobody. She was actually arrested in January. Oh really? <laughs> oh. DUI. Yeah. Wow. All right. So so she must have used all her winnings to to bail her out. I mean, after all, she did win a million dollars 15 years ago <laughs> no she used those winnings all to pay awesome Kong to do nothing so did wwe <laughs> yeah. i will say this her entrance into the ring that was pretty nice yeah she found the ring that's good <laughs> that entrance ramp by the way i forgot like that how- ring by the way <laughs> well first of all the entrance ramp with the tubes right like I I forgot first of all like probably how expensive that probably was but at the same time it looked like utter shit it's it's like the definition of like Dixie like paying for something that is terrible and wasting money you mean TNA yeah yeah it's like a metaphor for it (laughs) would you say it went down the tubes yeah it went down the tubes you come out of a tube that the company's going down I mean, they, they definitely understood that, okay, they had to have a certain, or try to have a certain production level, but the, the, the reason they failed, the reason why so many others have failed, is, is because it's, let's be WWE light. Let's take everybody who ever was somebody there, bring them here, and tell you why they're great because they were there. Like, I mean, it, it's, to me, it's right along the lines of WCW, whose greatest storyline of all time was the NWO, which was telling you all these guys are from the North and they're better than all our guys. So... <laughs> I mean, don't tell Mike Mills. Yeah, that. don't tell Mills that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mills Mills has a love hate relationship with WCW though. He, he's more of a Crockett Promotions mid south sort of uh, sort of guy. So he's usually right there of my criticism of, of WCW. But good. You know, so anyways, we we digress because because they're so closely tied together. I think, especially this era <laughs> of DNA and WCW, it almost yes. feels like they run into each other. How about Charmel's um, ring attire? Oh, the uh, dress? <laughs> With the feathers that are, like, leaking all over the ring the whole match. Didn't she, like, she's been in the business, kind of, for a while. At least yeah. her husband has. You would think somebody would be like, you know, maybe don't wear that. because <laughs> Not even just the tripping part, but, right. like, the part about, like, feathers being yeah. all over the ring the entire match. The part about look- looking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> what about that part? <laughs> well, see, the only thing is, the only defense I can give of it, is basically that her gimmick was she was like the queen of wrestling in WWF. Mm. So maybe she was trying to carry that over, but it's stupid. I concur. Yeah, there, there was. I couldn't figure out for a while. I was like, what the hell is all over the ring? And then you start to realize, yeah. like, is that falling off her dress? Is this some sort of like <laughs> yeah. cheap 
TJ Maxx sort of like knockoff <laughs> brand like dress that they got. Like get her something to wear for this. You know, she can't wear a nice dress. Barry Bonds rookie cards over there is really happy about the dress. Oh, Don West. I yeah. love Don West so much. What a great <laughs> television announcer, especially with with uh, Mike Tanay there. They're so good. I don't mean any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me there for a second. I was like, really? <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card! <laughs> yeah. he, he says Charmel dresses like a James Bond villain, and she's so classy. That's Ugh. what he said? Yeah, he did say that. I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> so we should mention that Charmel had, is it Soho or Sojo Bolt? I, 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 I couldn't quite pick up the first name. How about Jenna Slaps? To uh, when she has Jenna had first of all I don't know who the babyface was in this match and I almost feel like it was supposed to be Jenna because they were again were banking on you know the crowd knowing that she won a reality TV show six years earlier and- <laughs> they were bank they were banking on a lot of things here like they were <laughs> acting like she was like the hottest chick to ever yeah. exist like I thought she looked like a low rent Christy Hemi. That's like, yeah, that's, like, that's what I thought. It. But I mean, they, they, the way she was doing the dances and stuff, I was <laughs> like, eh, what the hell? They should have gotten Ken Jennings from Jeopardy to <laughs> freaking wrestle with. They want to go with this level of celebrity. <laughs> yeah, she does like that. The very, when she has Charmel prone and ready to pin her, and she does like the very suggestive dance and like basically sticks her crotch in Charmel's face as she's, as she's pinning her. That's good wrestling right there for you. It's a good amateur move. <laughs> it is. It, yeah, it is a very amateur porn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I felt like a lot of this was. It was just trying to get a get a rise, if you will. Yeah, I, I won't. Yeah. No, I won't. <laughs> well, I feel like but, and, you know it's, it's funny and like I, you wonder like what's the what's the atmosphere like backstage watching this match because you know in you know you, in one hand you have Booker T's wife in there, so a guy's going to be super critical of this or like. I don't know. I think that TNA just didn't care most. Like, the thing that I've always noticed with TNA is they'll give anyone a chance because Dixie's too nice and she just doesn't. She'd rather, like, give everyone a chance than actually succeed. You sure. Know? Yeah, we'll go with that narrative. It's true, though. <laughs> Vince Russo booked all this, though, to be fair, Quinn. Well, she wanted to give him a chance, too, because he was, he was like, destitute from wrestling at that point. <laughs> he was. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet somewhere along the line, you could, you, could, you could probably find an interview or something where Vince Russo is somehow a big fan of this girl and that television show, and that's probably how this all came about, but... <laughs> the two things that really stuck out to me, they did this really, it was like slow motion, like cross body spot where <laughs> it, I like it, it was, it was slow motion. I don't even know how else to describe it. Complete slow motion. I thought everything Jenna did was slow motion and dainty. Yeah. Like pretty much like <laughs> dainty is a good it, it, nothing way to describe she ever this. did looked like it was effective at all. No, this looked like two understudies in an eighth grade play acting out a fight scene, a West side story or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then, she has again. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but that that big—it's supposed to be her big moment. It's her big moment in the match and the big fire up. And she gives these like <laughs> she has like if I can describe it like she has her arms like very close to her side of her body, and she's doing like these just limp wristed slaps over and over and over again. Was that when she had her at full mount, as Don West said? It was right before. Yeah, it was right before that. Like she—that was her big fire up. She finally got Charmel down. Charmel working like a 400 pound guy like like I would work. She's not taking any bumps early on. Yeah. Finally gets her off her feet and then gives us those just garbage slaps. Then and I don't even remember how. Like I, I took notes on this, but I somehow missed like how we got to the point of like the managers being involved or whatever. And 
Sojo Bolt does this dive to the floor, supposed yep. to be on Awesome Kong, and yes. Awesome Kong just throws her arm out and just lets this girl just <laughs> smash onto the floor. Ugh. I thought it was great. I thought it was just like, you know, I'm not catching this person. The hell with it. <laughs> oh, by the way, the women's division in TNA at this point, pretty good. Like, they actually had some pretty yeah. good women's wrestlers there at the time. And they feature the shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this is like their their celebrity match for women, but it's not a celebrity, that, and it's not a match that either. No one asked for. Yeah. No one wanted this. You know, I just I always hate it when any company does it. When WWE does it too, or they shoehorn these celebrity things that no one's clamoring for. It just it's weird to me. The problem is TNA doesn't have any mainstream appeal whatsoever. Right. So it's like when this is the best they can possibly do, and right. it's, it's always been their problem. Like, yeah. I was actually like, I saw some link somebody sent the other day. They, You know who they had at the last TNA thing? Who? Curtis Granderson, the <laughs> baseball player. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> but that's like, again, that's yeah. just like the most, it's so TNA. Here's well, a guy that was only, really good. He's only 10 years past his last All-Star yeah, yeah, game. Exactly. So. <laughs> right. Here's a guy that was good 10 years ago. But I mean, they just have a history of this, you know, this yeah. this history of just minor celebrities. <laughs> Adam, Adam Pac-Man Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So mercifully, this match does end. Thank God, yes. um, <laughs> with a with a shitty, real shitty punch to Charmel. Jenna Morasca gets the pin. Of course, the inevitable happens. She uh, gets yeah. a little bossy with Awesome Kong. Awesome Kong beats the shit out of her at the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to tell you guys, you use the term celebrity, and I don't know if we can use that term for Jenna Morasca because I think <laughs> yeah. the three of us could more accurately be described as celebrities than I uh, think so. Than I might Jenna could be a bigger celebrity than Jenna Morasca. I think you are, Quinn. I. I would flat out say with confidence that Quinn over here is a bigger celebrity than Jenna Morosco. Wow. Thank you. You're well, welcome. I know both of you and I didn't know her. So if that means, <laughs> any, if that means anything, there you go. Thank you. Brian. I will say this is the one match where there's one compliment I can possibly give. What? The little hair spot with Charmel at the end. I kind of like her selling, oh. and she's kind of funny. She's kind of funny. Yeah, she's funny about it. Like, she's, like, begging for her hair back before Awesome Kong hits her. <laughs> she plays a good heel in yeah. general. Well, Char- Charmel's actually a good performer, just not a good yeah. wrestler. Like, she was a really good performer, really good yes, character. Yeah. Absolutely. And they just, she just got put in a really shitty spot. The, the one thing I say, I, I, again, so far... I don't hold the performers in, in these matches responsible. It's the people putting them in the really bad positions, in positions that they could not possibly succeed in. Totally agree. So, I, and I've alluded to it. I think I've just flat out said it at this point. I have been dying to do this next <laughs> one because there is just so much goodness. And when I say goodness, I mean terribleness. There's so much... Another Conradism. I'm throwing him in here just to aggravate you, by the way. Thank you. There's, there's so much meat on the bone here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of meat on the bone there. <laughs> Subscribe to his Patreon, $27. <laughs> I thought it was 29 Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you, should do, right you should do the $100 a month tier. Yeah, that'd be great. What I would, want to give a millionaire more money. Hy- I don't hypothetically, money. what would the million-dollar tier, or excuse me, the $100 tier of the OVP Patreon uh, get you? Probably something really good. <laughs> Hang out with Quinn for a day. Okay. It's very entertaining. He can drive you around his hometown. Yeah, it's good. And just talk about wrestling. Yeah. So it'd be a chauffeur service, essentially. Exactly. (laughs) Drop him off at Burger King. Yeah. (laughs) This one we're going to talk about here. Uncensored 1996 WCW. It's the Doomsday Cage Match. Bum, bum, bum. 
And if we had, uh, you know, if we had the audio budget that you guys have, there would be some sort of cool sound effect there. Maybe there will be. Ooh, that's oh, that's right, because that's right. You're, uh, we should add that Mike Crockett is also taking a week off from editing. So, without a doubt, you're about to hear, when you're listening to this episode, I'm sure you've probably already already noticed, the audio quality is far superior to anything that Mike Crockett has ever produced. <laughs> My compliment to Joe is that there will be a mixer involved. Compliments for using a mixer. Yeah, hypothetically, Joe, if I bought you, if I bought you a mixer, would you use it? Absolutely, Brian. You know I would. <laughs> I, I, I know. I think I got the wrong uh, the pod, the wrong podcasting partner. How did this happen? <laughs> Maybe we can, we can arrange a trade, Quinn. Crockett oh, for Joe, wait, straight wait. up. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyways, let's let's get into the main event here. This is the you know, I, I, like I said, I've been dying to do this. This is probably the match I've watched the most in professional wrestling history. Like I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Again, it, it crosses that barrier of like comically bad. And I love it. I love comically bad wrestling. I love wrestling that's like just so over the top bad that you can't do anything but laugh except maybe maybe cry. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to start this, and everybody knows this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I am a Hulkamaniac. I have been a Hulkamaniac since I was a child. From that perspective, it's a little tough for me. Because I'm going to probably lay some pretty heavy criticisms against against my boyhood hero. The reason why I'm in professional wrestling. So, just wanted to get that out, out, of, out of the way. So, if it comes across like maybe I'm defending him at some point, too, just, you know, the, that's why. Just under, just understand. But how about, uh, you know, we talk about Bobby Heenan. You guys love Bobby Heenan. I love Bobby Heenan. Sure. Yeah. Mike Crockett thinks Jim Cornette's better. Mike Crockett's not usually right. <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan is worlds better than Jim Cornette, who managed a grand total of, like, three people <laughs> that were good. Did you know he managed the Midnight Express? And like Vader or something. <laughs> Big Bubba. And yeah. Mantar. Yeah. So, I, I don't understand where the Cornette argument comes from. He's a good talker. Yeah. But he's not as good as Bobby. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Bobby, this may be Bobby's, like, underratedly the best job that Bobby Heenan's ever done in his career. Because he put this cage match over like there's no tomorrow. Like, I think at one point he said it was like... The Super Bowl and the World Series and the NBA Finals, like, all rolled up into one. Yeah, I mean, you needed Bobby and Dusty to go full-on, like, kayfabe. This is, like, the most important moment to ever happen in the history of our sport. Like, Shivani probably sang history of our sport at the yeah. end of both of them saying that sentence. I, uh, I would imagine, though, that Bobby, as he was throughout most of 1995 and 96, had a, a few wine coolers, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you probably had to be loaded to sit through this thing and actually have to commentate on it and not openly mock it and and laugh at it um yep the job that those three guys did by not just openly mocking and laughing at this piece of garbage (laughs) like can't be can't be undersold because i i I couldn't have done it they play it straight like straight as an arrow like this is very serious and they're uh generally a very goofy announced team too but they really do put this over like this shit matters (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes they did so kudos kudos to them so let's get into the participants of this match. Um, so on one half, we know it's the Mega Powers. It's it's Hulk Hogan. It's Randy Savage. Amazingly, they, I think they're being called the Mega Powers, which you would have figured. Yes, I, I actually yes. wanted to ask both of you guys okay. about this because I thought I was like imagining this. No, so here's what it is. When they first teamed up in uh, 
in early 95, they had this lame ass name called the Monster Maniacs because for whatever reason, they didn't want to use or couldn't use Mega Powers. But yeah, for this match here, they were the Mega Powers. That's weird. I don't know why. Don't know what the deal was, why they weren't always that or why they're teaming up in 1996 and fighting eight guys in a cage. But some <laughs> questions just remain unanswered. <laughs> and that brings us to the, the, the foes in this match, the foils of the Mega Powers, the Alliance to End Hulkamania. T-A-E-H, which is the opposite of heat. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> what a catchy, catchy name. Like, could you picture that on a t-shirt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In my, that I used to wipe up crap with. Why don't we sell a, a T-A-E-H t-shirt? No. Why not? <laughs> because it's crappy. OVPpodcast.com. I like it. I think you got a winner there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so on this team, every heel in WCW. Yeah. <laughs> it's, basically... It's Ric Flair, who I believe is the world the world heavyweight champion at this point. Yeah, Hogan wasn't, right? Wait, he wasn't? No, Hogan wasn't. Yeah, then it was Flair. They were not clear who the world champion was, <laughs> by the way, which you would think would be a detail. Quinn, that- this is bigger than the belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did watch further on. I watched the next night of Nitro uh, a while ago, and then I refreshed my memory today, you know, today as well, watching this, just so I'd have it fresh in my mind. And we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah, Ric Flair is the is the current WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, good for him. At least Hulk isn't <laughs> dominating. Yeah. As usual. Well, only in the fact that Ric Flair has a probably seemingly meaningless belt at this point. True. That's true. So teaming with him is Arn Anderson in a sweatsuit. He does not give a shit. <laughs> Me and Joe have always loved that outfit. Oh, that comes up like every six episodes. Yeah. Arn in the sweatsuit. <laughs> Arn in the sweatsuit. <laughs> yep. Leisure attire. Jack LaLanne gym attire. He has like Adidas <laughs> shoes on, too. Like, I mean, what the hell is that? He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone else just in their regular trunks. Yeah, I guess. trunks. <laughs> yes. So among them are Ming. I'll, I'll rip through these now. Ming, the Barbarian. Good. Lex Luger. Why? The Taskmaster. Why? <laughs> Z Gangsta. That's normal. Also known as Zeus. Yes. <laughs> and the ultimate solution, not offensive in any way. No, yeah. not at all. Sweet hands in there. <laughs> not what they thought it originally was called. <laughs> the, yeah, it was going to be called the final solution. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, that's not nice. Yep. <laughs> How did they not get that the first time? Because it's WCW. Do you see them around? I'm pretty sure that's like what he was called on television. Like one the, time, at yes. At one point, Literally yes. one time. The final solution, I think, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have three managers, because this many wrestlers isn't, isn't enough. You need to have three managers on a triple-decker... Course. Cage match, Jimmy Hart, woman, and Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> I have to add, there's also another participant that they keep talking about that's not even there. Yes. Brian Pillman. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, where's Brian him. Pillman? Yeah. The whole match. Yeah. They're like, where's Pillman? Where's Pillman? And he never comes. Whatever he was doing, it was better than this. Yeah. All I remember is the la- the next time we would see him, he had like the gigantic pencil making fun of Sullivan on ECW. <laughs> well, I will say, at least for the majority of this match, we didn't have to deal with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Very surprising. A.K.A. the Booty Man. I was... <laughs> when we get there, when we get... Let's yeah. cross that bridge when we come to it, because <laughs> what the hell? Burn that bridge when yeah. we get to it. So, of course, true WCW fashion, because... 
for some reason the icon that they that they built up and that that carried the company for uh for decades and i and i like rick flair i wouldn't say i love rick flair rick flair is not my favorite of all time good but certainly deserved much more respect than he got in wcw i think agreed he's the world's heavyweight champion and you have him and arn henderson <laughs> at the very top of the cage they are the easiest you know, they're they're the first level bosses. If this were if this were a video game, basically, yeah. I actually wrote in my notes like that. It was just this is sad that like the feud that everyone wanted to see in 1992 has been like it's come to this. It's been reduced like, to this. Like yes. Flair is just like some sub boss. Arn looks like he's sneaking down to get a midnight snack from the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He looks he looks terrible. He doesn't care at all. You can yeah. tell. So I got to ask you guys, how do you win this thing? I'm not quite <laughs> sure because there's three for the fans at home, you know, that might not be familiar with this. But it's three levels, right? And they have to work their way through each level, but you can also use the ring. I'm not really sure. Do they So, from my understanding, <laughs> what is this, guys? From my understanding, to win the first level of the game here, yes, you level have to one, one. escape through the trap door on the bottom. <laughs> to win the next level, I don't fucking know because that's just whatever's after that. <laughs> they stop caring. And then to win the whole thing, you have to, I guess, pin them in the ring at the bottom <laughs> level. So the second level, I, I, there's just no rules at all. Like, literally, there's it's no true. anything. Because anyone's, like, in the second level or something. Don't, doesn't Flair well, come down to it? First, don't forget, there's two rooms in the, in the second <laughs> level. Two rooms, yeah. Yeah, so the, 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 the way they kind of petition it or, or say it's going to, it's like, they got to get by all these guys, and it almost felt like they're eliminated once, once they got past it. Because if not, why wouldn't you just put every fucking guy in the top cage and not let them escape the first cage and just murder them there? Yeah, if they really wanted to go like full cartoon villain here, it would just be like an eight on two match where they just beat the shit out of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and then leave. I don't know, guys. I, it, to me, it just seems like WCW has their own set of rules to their yeah. to their bullshit. It's like this seems like the most dusty roads looking thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, like yeah, it seems like a this? war games kind of deal. Yeah, but like war games on crack, you know. Yeah, this like is, who booked this? Who was booking WCW? Was it Sullivan? I think I think it was Kevin Sullivan at this point. This had to have been like a, uh, and Eric Bischoff would have had to have a hand in it as as well at this point. He was the executive producer. I find it hard to believe that there wasn't any Dusty Rhodes advisory capacity <laughs> in this in this contest here. On oh, you with sweatsuit. Yeah. I don't know. Like he he's the he's the announcer, and he's also like this match just reeks of him. Reeks, I think it reeks of Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly, it certainly does. And that's the other thing they keep saying on, saying throughout the match. Where's Z Gangster and the Ultimate Solution? They're not even out here yet. It's like, so embarrassing. They only like, where up are for the last there? like ten minutes or something. <laughs> Why is Zeus there in '96? <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, let's be real. Has has he been Debo at this point yet? In Friday? Yeah, that was Friday. Was '95, right? So were they cashing in on Friday? Why wasn't Ice Cube there with them then? <laughs> was Pillman replaced by somebody? I, that was another thing I was trying to figure out. Was Arn in the sweatsuit? Was he like? Like unprepared and was he replacing Pillman? I don't think so. I think uh, Pillman just didn't show or something like that, okay. right? I think so. I'm not really sure. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just like I'm still trying to rationalize Arn Anderson in a sweatsuit. It's still it's, like bothering me. There is no rational explanation for <laughs> no. it. <laughs> so 
they get past Flair and Anderson, so you're thinking they're they're eliminated. And now we go down to the next level of the cage, where I think it's it's Luger and Ming and the Barbarian and the Taskmaster. So basically, the the Dungeon of Doom. And I think the object is to get out of here and get down to the next level. So then there's just they get out of the cage to this weird like platform area. <laughs> The object is for the crowd to get out of there. <laughs> well, when they get when they get there, though, then then murder starts to become the object of the game. Right? Yeah, because, kill them. Yeah, because Hogan almost tries to throw Sullivan off the damn scaffold. That's part of the part of the risks of professional wrestling is the the killing. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you're yeah, fighting Hulk Hogan, yeah, the killing. Yeah. There's there's the killing. <laughs> so then it ends up down the cage into the aisle into the ring. <laughs> And it's just mayhem, and it's like, wait, I thought we were in a triple-decker cage match here. Now we're just in the ring fighting with weapons. Like, <laughs> but what is the object of it? Have they won this match now? Is it over? No one wins anything. Everyone's a loser, and Hulk Hogan poses. They have to I go mean, to, they have to, okay, first of all, they have to go to the three levels, though. Yeah, right, right. right. Now Quinn, Quinn really seems to have a handle on this, so I'll just let him guide <laughs> well, me it's here. Just that, it's just that... One of the things that was bothering me by the time we got to this point when they're like wandering to the main ring. Yeah. I was like, why the hell did they set up that ring that nobody can see in like the crowd or whatever? I, it's almost like they fucked up and they like had to figure it out and go back. I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. <laughs> I think that maybe the first 10 minutes was planned and then the other 15 was just like them calling it on the fly. Yeah, that's probably. what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't. I, yeah, I don't get the feeling that this was a well thought out plan. No, Hulk Hogan's, and, and I think this. I mean, if, if you think about like logically what was probably going on at this time, it, it, they're probably trying to rebuild Hulk Hogan because Hulk yeah. Hogan's popularity had had waned pretty good. I, I think this is about the error, and maybe a little bit before where where he was even getting booed a little bit. You're right, Brian. Yeah, since around the fall of '95, especially. After that Vader feud, and then it was when it was strictly like Hogan, Dungeon of Doom, and they shave the mustache, and he wears the black, but he's not Hollywood yet. Yeah. And he's like, he's pissier, and he's feuding with Sting a little bit. And, you mean Sword Hogan? Yeah, Sword Hogan. Yeah. Um, Dungeon of Doom, it's not hot, that yeah. era. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. He, he was getting pretty uh, tepid reactions. You know, he was getting booed. He was getting half-hearted. Kind of like in early 92 in the WWF. Is this before or after the mustache shave when Kevin Sullivan dressed like a woman in the crowd and like <laughs> no, this is after him. all that good stuff. You okay, know? this is this is okay. Yeah, because I the Dungeon of Doom went on so long that I have no idea where this falls in the canon of that feud. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. This is the very end of it. Okay, but let's finish. What do you say? What you want? You guys want to finish this uh, this piece of dog shit up here? <laughs> <laughs> Please, I didn't know it was still going. <laughs> oh, oh, oh but, no! The entire time we've been talking. Hogan, Savage, Luger, Taskmaster, they've all been fighting in the ring. Yep. Oh, wait, no, here comes Z-Gangsta and the Ultimate Solution finally to drag Hogan and Savage back to the bottom level, the actual ring on the cage. Here comes here comes all the participants now. Here comes Luger, the Taskmaster. Oh, by the way, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair are, are <laughs> back in the ring as well. But thank God the booty man has finally <laughs> shown up. This is the worst part of the whole match to me. This, I hated this so much. I was just like, like, as I was watching it happen. Uh, describe it for us, Quinn. He shows up with more baby powder because we forgot to mention, first of all, at the top of the cage, <laughs> Flair like, was past baby powder yes. and then somehow it like went to the bottom and got in the faces of everyone else. But then there's more baby powder at the end. But this time, Booty Man has it. And I absolutely hate him. <laughs> He's the worst. He's he another is. Hogan crony. Yeah. And 
Like every single person in this match, other than Ric Flair, is like a Hogan crony. Yeah. But anyway, he passes them um, baby powder and two frying pans, which <laughs> allows them to get the upper hand. And then right after that, we have more dumb weapons as like the OJ glove enters the picture. Are you sure it wasn't baking powder and they were preparing to make a nice souffle? I don't know what it was. <laughs> now, Brian, you're you're a wrestler, obviously. Got a question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Is, is baby powder like um you know notoriously abrasive to the eyes? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but insider inside inside baseball here. <laughs> you know where you know what the worst part about baby powder and getting it thrown in your face is? What it gets in your mouth and your nose, oh. and it's just awful. So it, it's an irritant in that nature, but um. <laughs> it's an irritant. Yeah, that, nothing says like devastating doomsday triple cage than a mild irritant. This was the most <laughs> random shit. In all honesty, Literally, like, yeah. I I had not seen this match in a while, and I was just surprised. I was like, frying what? <laughs> Like baking soda? What's going on here? Like, like, frying pans with a turning point in this yeah. eight on two match. But the, the thing is, is, the thing is that should be the finish, but it isn't. It was all normal until the frying pans. Yeah, because of the the OJ glove. You wanna you wanna mention that, Brian? Oh, so yeah. Somehow the finish gets is is. We've seen a lot of shit up until this point. This match has been awful. Everything about it has been terrible. And we haven't even seen the worst of it yet. Because, yeah, uh, so he takes out this black, yeah, like OJ glove. Yeah. And, of course, they're putting over it's got to be a weighted glove. And <sighs> Flair is holding Randy Savage. And, well, Randy Savage, you, you, you know what's coming here. Randy Savage ducks. Lex Luger stops throwing the punch. Right. Pauses for, I don't know, 45 seconds. <laughs> and then finally hits Ric Flair. Knocks him out, and then Hogan takes him out. And, and so, so again, we're, we're not done yet, though, because there's more, more here. It's true. Hogan and Savage leave the cage and then have to be told they have to go back in and pin Flair. Hogan is literally, you could audibly hear Hogan go, let's get out of here, brother. Like, and then Savage is like, oh, wait. Like, <laughs> and of course, they have to pin the guy they already got past. The world, there's, there's eight guys in this match or whatever. They have to pin the world heavyweight champion. <laughs> Why? You've got a manager wrestler in Kevin Sullivan. You've got two lower card tag team members in Barbarian and Meng. You've got <laughs> you've got Zeus. You've got an actor, basically. You've got Sweet Henson, who might as well just be another actor, <laughs> honestly. Like, what the hell was he doing? And the world champion takes the pin. Yeah, I hate <sighs> that. There, you know, there's a lot to dissect, too, at that ending, because with the OJ glove thing... <laughs> We forgot to mention that, like, wasn't Luger in the midst of whose side is he on thing? Yes. And the crowd, yes. like, pops because they think it's part of that, but it is, but it isn't. Like, and it's never explained. And, like, even Shivani's like, like, I don't know, like, at the end. Yeah, what was, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what Luger said, too. So this is why, specifically, this is why I went and watched. So this, I, I watched this match. I don't even know how long ago again, and then I, I did it again. But I was inspired because I was like, I have to know. Like, was this was? Did we just witness just like a completely botched finish, or was this part of a storyline? The very next night on Nitro, 
The only mention of it is a very casual... <laughs> Ric Flair is cutting a promo on his opponent that night. Now, you figure the ending of this match would be the primary focus of Nitro the very next night. Nope. It's the Giant versus Ric Flair, and Flair just makes very casual mention of... <laughs> <laughs> of the fact that Luger's got a, got something coming for him. Luger is in a tag match where he's pretending to be a good guy in front of Sting, and then when Sting turns his back, he's being a jerk. And then they followed up the following week with a championship match of Luger and Flair. That sounds like Nitro in the early yep. days, like the whole, <laughs> like the TV show matters more than the pay-per-view thing. Yeah. If everything's confusing mm-hmm. and it's just like on to the next storyline every two seconds. There's a dog wearing a costume and an ex-football player doing commentary. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like also on that, net, that net, next night's Nitro, no Hulk Hogan. And the opening match is just randomly includes Randy Savage versus the Belfast Bruiser. With <laughs> no real payoff for Savage having survived that cage. He just has to go wrestle Fit Finley the next night in the opening match on Nitro. This thing was just absolute garbage. Yep. And I love it. <laughs> before before I get into some of the timeline stuff, anything anything to wrap it up? Any thoughts you guys have? You know, Quinn and I often say that when they brought Hogan in in July of 94, it was kind of like taking the product to the WWF's like late 80s, early 90s cartoony period. Definitely, yeah. This is like the height or I guess the the pit of that, the nadir, if you will, to use a, a fancy word there. Mm-hmm. This is probably the worst it got in terms of just the way it even looks on paper, let alone the way it looks in the arena of having Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage team up, you know, for some reason in 1996 and fight off all the bad guys mm-hmm. one last time, you know? <sighs> Yeah, I this this is it's a complete mess. Half my notes were like brawl, brawl, brawl. Like I wasn't even like paying attention to because people were like slightly hitting each other. And like I, you know, one note I have to say: God bless Randy Anderson. Yeah, like, what a what a solid ref. Not man. only did he like jump through the trap door like on the first level, but I mean he followed this whole garbage all the way through. Like good on him. And you know what? WCW paid Michael Buffer to announce this. Oh, yes. One of the worst wrestling ring announcers anyway. He's great in boxing because it's a different thing. But Quinn, you had a particular gripe with Michael Buffer, you were telling me. Yes. Uh, one of his lines was um, he introduced Hulk Hogan as the king of Hulkamania. Remember when he called him that all the time? <laughs> that, that was what we called Hulk Hogan. The king of Hulkamania. The king of Hulkamania. Because yeah. like, I don't. Like, it, it, you know what, though? This is like Apex Buffer. Like he is like he has like one thousand <laughs> nicknames for like every person. Like I I don't know. Maybe he calls Kevin Sullivan the Master of Darkness or something. Like he, he has just, the Lord of Pain. He has the Brother of Destruction. The yeah. uh, the Demolition of cre- Premonition. He is a uh, Z gangster. Yeah. <laughs> it, there there's just so much to dissect here, and like I feel like you would like need two shows to just review this match, like because it's so bad. Maybe one, for, maybe yeah. three, one for each cage level. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so much we haven't. I mean, we, we I'm sure we missed. I mean, I, I, another thing I, I have to mention here: how about the overselling of Lex Luger for for everything? Just yeah. every shot. Ah! <laughs> ah! Oh! 
Whoa! <laughs> That's <laughs> like a weird Streets of Rage sound effect or something. Like, most guys may have to ice, like, a body part or something. <laughs> like, Lex Luger had to drink a, a nice hot cup of tea with some lemon and, and honey in it to soothe his sore throat after this match. <laughs> How about the fact that the faces of fear were completely useless the whole time? They, they got were. the powder, and then they got locked in that room, and they never showed up again, even though Arn <laughs> and Flair somehow got out of the room. Yeah, that's that's true. They barely, like, Barbarian and Ming didn't do shit after yeah. that. They didn't even get to do anything. <laughs> they got broken. Yeah. They're just like, oh, door, can't get out. Bye. <laughs> Did they just leave them there? I hope like, so. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch now and see if uh, Ming and the Barbarian were just hanging out in the second cage the whole time. Just sit down and thumb wrestle or something yeah. and pass the time. That's actually another part of this. There's a lot of standing around yes. by a lot of people. <laughs> Including Z-Gangsta and the Ultimate Solution backstage. So so this is a very interesting time in in WCW. And and ironically, this may have have been the... Even though Hogan and and Savage won, this really may have been the actual end to Hulkamania until its resurgence in in, uh, WWE uh, in the early 2000s. Because this is March. And just a couple months later is the start of the NWO. Yep. Yep, so that's, yeah, and, and two months later is when Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash start showing up, and just four months later, Hulk Hogan himself, after he beats the entire heel roster, so he had to turn heel, there was nobody left for him to beat, <laughs> <laughs> he turned heel himself, joined the NWO, and uh, started taking over WCW. The timeline of that actually surprised me a little. I'd never actually gone and quite paid all that much attention to the uh, the timeline of events there, but you have this piece of shit, and then four <laughs> months later, you have the thing that ignited the Monday Night War and propelled WCW and, and all that stuff. So how do you go from this to just four months later? It's jarring, the difference, because you turn this on cold, let's say, and you're not really thinking about the timeline, and it just looks like you're typical 1995 leftovers you know in terms of the angles the booking you know your diamond dallas page i think is on the undercard conan and all that stuff and hogan wins you know and hogan and savage are the big virtuous baby faces beating up all the fat heels and rick flair looks like an idiot you know throughout 95 you know and that was continuing yep and in just a short couple months You've got Razor Ramon and Diesel powerbombing Eric Bischoff through tables. All hell is breaking loose. And once Hogan turns heel, you got people getting attacked at trailers and thrown into trailers and baseball bats. And You mean it's good? Yeah, it becomes good. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, jarring. It's night and day. And, you know, this might be, maybe this was a waking up point. I mean, they, the crowd is not crazy during this. But I do say part of that is because nobody can see a damn thing. Right. But at the same no. time, they weren't excited about any of this garbage no. anymore anyway. This is not what... No one cared about Hulk Hogan by this... Well, I don't want to say no one. Brian probably did. But <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people that paid money to go see the wrestling um, in this period of time, I think, really cared about Hulk Hogan. You know, he was kind of on his way out in terms of Hulkamania. So it is ironic, Brian. That's a very astute point. Yeah, and he he had... I think pretty shortly after this, he disappeared off WCW TV for a while yep. uh, until he came back at, at Bash at the Beach. So, fellas, thanks for sitting through that. Thanks for indulging me. My, my longtime close personal friend, Mike Crockett, wouldn't wouldn't uh, suffer through it with me, but you guys did, and I, I am forever grateful uh, for that. You got it, Wine City Whaler. We're here for you, man. <laughs> We're always here for the Whaler. <laughs> 
So uh, indulge me here for a second. Bear with me here for a second because <laughs> we do we do want the fans' feedback on this. Please go out, seek out these matches, watch them. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know some of your uh, favorite bad matches in pro wrestling history out there at the WPAN on Twitter. Uh, it's at the WPAN for all, all social media platforms. Uh, so give us your thoughts and use the hashtag WPAN. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Tell us how bad did this match suck in your eyes? How bad am I doing at the reads? <laughs> and how great are the OVP guys joining me here? Uh, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And uh, before I forget, we want to go ahead and give uh, some plugs out. Is it going to be weird if I plug you guys and you're on the podcast with me? Maybe, how about you guys plug yourselves? <laughs> okay. Well, we are <laughs> Joe Morata and Michael Quinn of Our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. That's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. We actually have an episode out right now. We are going through the year 1992. So right after you listen to this, go check us out, OVP Podcast. And Quinn, we have a website. Yes, we have a website, OVP Podcast. Dot com. Get all the stuff there. Over there, you get all the links and stuff and a link to our Facebook page. Yes, our Facebook group is a, it's a good one. You can join that, the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group. Yeah, and I can't say enough good things myself. You guys are legitimately one of my one of my favorite podcasts. I am a couple episodes behind right now. I've been a little busy, <laughs> but uh, legitimately one of my favorite, favorite podcasts and uh, can't say enough good things. So please, if you're listening to this, go out, check out these guys. If you like what they're doing here, you're, you'll love it even more what they're doing over on OVP. Uh, we got to mention Booking the Territory. Mike Mills on this very airwaves last week. Uh, he does a couple of different shows. He does Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review and amongst other things. And they, they got a Southern flair. They're kind of like the Southern version of you, correct? That's right. The Southern fried version of OVP. Yep. <laughs> More vulgar. <laughs> yes. And then greetings from Allentown with Peter Winston. Uh, your guy's little brother, Petey. Yeah, little Petey. Little Petey Winston. <laughs> Another great uh, trip down memory lane and pro wrestling and all things pop culture that are going on around whenever episode of... Uh, historical wrestling television that he's reviewing, uh, and then the Wrestle- Rundown Wrestling Podcast, which I'm actually going to be a guest on upcoming here soon with Adam and Jason and all those guys over there. That's it. That's the plugs. How did I do, fellas? I needed your help. You did fine. <laughs> all right. So, fellas, it's time to uh, get to our promo about nothing. But before I get into that, I am hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying my trade as a professional wrestler. And you'll never guess, guys, but I got dates. You got dates. Really? <laughs> How did I do on that, by the way? Very good. I was I was hoping you would hit professional that. Professional wrestler yeah. with dates. Wow. wow. Imagine <laughs> that, huh? This this Friday night, I'll be heading to Norwich, Connecticut. How far is Norwich from you guys? Uh, Probably about three hours. I oh, guess. Maybe. Yeah. Not bad. Ah, worth the trip to go see Northeast Wrestling and the Kingpin. Uh, Rey Mysterio is on uh, on this big card. Uh, check out northeastwrestling.com for all ticket and card information. The very next night, I'll be heading to Pawtucket, Rhode Island for a new company called Outside the Box Wrestling. Find Outside the Box Wrestling on Facebook for full ticket and card information. August 11th, I'll be heading to Bethany, Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling once again. And then, and then on the 23rd, 3rd of August, I'll be defending the UFO Heavyweight Championship against Mike McCarthy for UFO Wrestling. That's a special Thursday night show. Ernest the Cat Miller will be there. 
in attendance. So uh, find UFO Wrestling on social media platforms for full ticket and card information. The next night I return once again for Northeast Wrestling, this time in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Go to northeastwrestling.com for ticket and card information. And on the 25th, I'll stop here. I return to the city of brotherly love, the 2300 Arena, the former ECW Arena for Ring of Honor's international TV taping that I will be taking part in, teaming with the Beer City Bruiser, no doubt. Spoilers? <laughs> we ain't gonna let you escape that question on this show well uh, if you guys want spoilers you should make the trip down to philly and uh mm. come see me yourself and if you'd like to book book me on your show throw me an email at brianmalonis at comcast.net or dm me on twitter at brianmalonis and for a nominal fee i'll be happy to come to your pro wrestling event and put butts in seats all right it's time now for the promo about nothing this one's pretty awesome because it's kind of an obscure guy that me and Mike know very well. Some wrestling fans, I'm going to bet you guys remember this guy pretty well, but you're not going to remember <laughs> what he looks like from this promo. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you hanging. I'm going to make you listen to this promo first with the Amish It Factor. the Amish Bishop Evangelist. Sendere shendere himbandara tsanda. Handa shendere. Homere shendaka. Himere shendere ta. Glory, glory, glory to God. I'm Abe, the Amish bishop evangelist. Here to make headway on TNA. Good lord. You guys remember Wait. Abe from TNA, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, him, the big star. Oh my goodness, what the hell? I, who is this guy? Oh, what so you guys don't watch? recognize recognize no. him. No. Let's take you back. We'll take a trip down memory lane to uh, early 2000s WWE. Do you remember a tag team by the name of the Dicks? Wait, yes. that, this is a dick? This is one of the Dicks. This is Chad Dick. wonderful name there chad but why (laughs) so yeah he was he actually came from the promotion that me and mike crockett started in and cut our teeth in chaotic wrestling um he wrestled under the name of billy kryptonite there he is if you couldn't tell from the video absolutely insane why did he film it at a gas station? Well, because nothing speaks or nothing, you know, says Amish quite like a modern gas station with modern clothes on. <laughs> I didn't know what he was saying. You know, I, I, I'm not a master of different languages, but I think the language we were hearing there was gibberish. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because I, I was confused. I thought I didn't know what this was when we were watching. Maybe it Paulo, Paulo Silva might be able to interpret yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, this one holds a bit of a special place in my heart because I've been sub- I was subjected to that uh, brand of insanity for quite some time in my early career. Actually, Chad was a good guy. He was very good to me early on. Just a tad crazy, which is probably why he got to uh, WWE at, at about five six um which is about how tall he was but yeah a part of the infamous tag team the dicks <laughs> this is how we're going to tie the episode together here fellas because we talked about bad matches and one of those bad matches had jbl involved in it and uh oh. chad dick got fired as a result of J- of jbl egging on a fight between him and his tag team partner backstage at a oh. at a smackdown taping the irony of course being that jbl 
is the biggest dick of them all. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is some special stuff. This is him trying to get a job back. I should mention that he also will occasionally call some of our some of our friends within our wrestling circle to sell them whatever new fad thing he's he's selling. He likes to do direct sales a lot. So uh Chad was a was a good guy, crazy guy, and as you can see, he is now Abe. The and Abe stands for something. If you didn't pick what? up on that, <laughs> there's actually a series of these. There's like three of these. If you go to his YouTube, what? if you go to his YouTube page, but check out this uh, this promo. Worth your time. Uh, you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to this video and description of this episode uh, at the WPAN.com. So I'm about to before I wrap up here, fellas. I just want to say. Thank you. Thanks for uh, enduring. I put you through a lot of bad stuff tonight. <laughs> hey, Brian, that's what we're here for, man. We do the good, the bad, the ugly, the dicks. <laughs> yeah, the dicks, the Chad dicks. Yeah, we do it all. It was a great time. Thank you very much, though, for real. Yeah, Thank thanks. you, fellas. And I'll wrap this up real quick. Uh, we're right back here next Monday for episode 120 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Maybe it'll be the Kingpin and Mike Crockett together for the first time in about a month. But if not, until next time, I'm the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. They're Joe Murata and Michael Quinn of the OVP Podcast. Big, Big ups, ups to, to Mucko. <laughs> yes, and thanks for nothing. When you, when you stop, stop, stop.